morning. This morning we are going to uh, ask one basic question. It's a profound question and it's a simple question. Three letters. The question is, why? Why? Profound and simple and can also be a very irritating question. If you've ever entered into an intellectual conversation with a five-year-old, you know the frustrations of the question, why? I was thinking back to when I was a teenager. My Saturday summer job was to wash the cars in the driveway. And I remember this one beautiful, sunny summer afternoon. I'm in the driveway washing the car, listening to a football game on the radio. I couldn't remember exactly what football team I was listening to, but I think we'll just say Michigan State after last night. So listening to Michigan State on the radio, having a wonderful time, enjoying. I didn't mind washing the cars. It was great. And then the neighborhood five-year-old walked up and decided to engage in me with conversation. And the conversation, I, don't, I can't remember exactly, but it went something like this. So I'm washing the car. He walks up, says hello, and then says, is that your car? And I say, yes, this is my car. Actually, it's my dad's car. And he says, why? And I said, well, because my dad bought this car. And he looks at me and says, why? And I said, because we needed a car. And he says, why? And I said, because we need to get, I need to get to school, and, and my parents need to get to work and to the store, and why? I said, well, because we need to go to the store to get food. Well, why? Because if you don't eat food, you don't get to live. Why? Like, because that's the way God made our bodies. Because if you don't eat, you, you'll die. Why? Because that's just the way it is, okay, kid? So he pauses for a moment. Why is your car green? Because it is. I'm not going to do this whole thing again, right? All those whys can drive you crazy. And then you think you're done when, you're, when your child grows up past that five-year-old barrage of whys. And then you get a teenager, right? How many of you teenagers haven't engaged in a, a conversation with your parents about your all-too-early curfew? Or it doesn't make any sense grounding? And you keep digging for why, 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 why? And usually those conversations end with, because I told you so. And because I told you so is usually followed with, and by the way, as long as you're living under my roof, you will do what I say. Right? End of conversation. Stop asking questions. Here's the truth. Just accept it. Because I told you so. Unfortunately, in the church setting, because I told you so is far too often where we begin our conversations instead of where we end our conversations. Right? We come to this community, hopefully, if we're coming out of more than just tradition or pattern, hopefully we come here because we want to learn about God. And we want to learn more about Jesus. And we want to learn about the world around us and, and how we relate to this world around us. We want to learn how to live well. And we want to learn how to die well. And these are all some huge, huge questions about life and death. There's a lot of questions that we have. There's a lot that we have to learn. But far too often the church community has, 
has engaged in this learning process with, with a theory that, that I was told back when I was in school. It's called the jug and mug theory of learning and, and, and education. Maybe some of you educators know better, but here, here's how I was told it works. Teachers, teachers, professors, pastors, parents, they come with their jug full of knowledge. They have the answers right here. They're full to the brim. You got questions? We have the answers. Okay, and these professors, teachers, parents, pastors, their job, your job is to hold out your empty mug and I'll fill it with all my great knowledge and all my answers. There, now you know. And the student's job, the child's job, is just to humbly say, Get, please give me all that you have to fill. Fill my mug. Give me the answers. Yeah, I, I had professors in college and seminary who, who did this for me. They wanted to make sure that I, they subscribed to the jug and mug theory of education. They had answers that they wanted me to know. And so they pounded them into my head. They filled my, my mug with all of their information and all of their facts. And I made sure that I remembered them until the exam came. When the exam came, I dumped all those facts right back into their jug. And my mug was empty. I don't remember really much of what they told me. Because all they wanted me to know was the answers, right? Jug, mug. I'll fill it up. I'll pour it back. I had other professors. I had other teachers who did something very different. Instead of just saying, here, I'll give you all this information, and you just accept it, they helped me to think it through. They asked me, why? And I needed to explain. I needed to think about it. I needed to figure out what I thought. They encouraged me to ask why. And so as my mug filled up, it was being filled up with things that not only did I know, but I began to understand. And my mug stayed fuller that way. They helped me discover for myself what those answers were. They kept me in balance theologically, so I didn't go off the rails, but I discovered for myself. And I came to understand them rather than just know them. And that is the model, that is the experience that so many individuals in the millennial age group that we're talking about here for these weeks, that they're longing for from us, the church, right? When it comes to, to lessons and issues of faith and of God, because I said so, doesn't carry the day anymore. And it really shouldn't. But yes, there's times and places when we keep asking why we're going to get to the point where there's we can't totally understand God. We're going to have to rely and just say, that's just the way God is. Because God said so. But we can't get there right away. The why should be welcomed here. As we explore who God is, as we explore who we are, as we explore how we live out this calling that he's given us in our lives. Really, the question that the millennial generation is asking and that we must ask ourselves is can we be a community where we discover answers together rather than just declare answers to each other? Can we? In the gospel stories of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it, it's interesting that 
that it's the religious leaders of the day. We know them as the Pharisees, right? They're both religious and political leaders. They're the ones who most often declare. They are the declarers of that community, right? They declare to everybody in that community what they need to believe. They declare to everybody why they need to believe it. They declared to everybody how they should live. They had a list of 613 laws. Now, these Pharisees were in charge of teaching everybody and then making sure that they lived them. They didn't have to say why. They just had needed to pour from their jug into everybody's mug and then make sure that they lived that way. All these laws taught you everything from, from how to do your business, how to live your life, who and how you should get married, the food you should eat, the clothes you should wear, how, far, how many steps you could take on the Sabbath day, right? All that stuff. Make sure the rules are known. Make sure the rules are followed, period. That's the Pharisee's job. And now comes along Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher, and he is so different. He leaves everyone asking why. In fact, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, page 794. We're not going to read a whole lot of this chapter together. We're going to do something a little bit different with this chapter this morning. I want us to look at the experience that this chapter shows us rather than dissect the content of the words. Okay, here in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has has such a large crowd of people who have gathered to listen to him. He's, he's on a hillside right by the shore of the lake. He's got such a large crowd, not everybody's going to be able to hear him and see him. So he steps in a boat, and they, they push off a little ways away from the shore. So he's not so crowded by people. And that's a, that's a first century microphone right there. You know how, the, how sound travels over water. More people can hear him that way. Okay, so he's... He's out ready to teach this huge crowd of people. And here's this perfect opportunity to tell them what to believe, right? And to tell them how to behave. Here's the perfect opportunity for them to hold out their mugs, for him to pour answers and information into them. And instead, in verses 3 through 9, he tells them a story about farming. He tells them a story about a farmer who goes out and scatters his seed, and some of that seed was eaten by birds before it could grow. And he says some of that seed fell on, on soil that had a little layer of sand and then solid rock beneath, and it grew, but the roots were shallow, and so when it got hot, it, it died. And he said some of, that, some of that seed fell on ground where it grew well, but then the weeds grew right around it, and it choked, it choked those plants, and they died. And still other seeds fell on great soil, and it grew, and it produced a harvest, just a great harvest. And the farmer was pleased. And then he stopped talking. He just let that story sit right there. Okay, my guess is if you've been in church, you've heard that story before. I haven't told you anything new. And we aren't shocked and surprised by it. But put yourself in, in the shoes of one of his first century listeners. You went there that day to hear a religious teaching. You went to hear a rabbi speak. You went to hear a sermon. And there you are, eager to hear this profound religious teaching. And you get a story about a farmer. You get a story about seeds. 
what? I, I would guess they, they're all scratching their heads. In fact, I, I pretty much know they are because even Jesus' disciples, who, who know him the best, are left wondering what in the world he's talking about. And look at verse 10. It says that the disciples came up to him and they asked, and notice the very first word, why? Why, Jesus, do you speak to the people in parables? And they aren't only wondering, I, I think, they aren't only wondering why Jesus speaks in parables to the people out there. They're wondering why he speaks in parables because they don't get it. They're just like, they don't understand why he just told about a story about a farmer and a bunch of seeds. They're his closest followers, his disciples, his students, and they don't get it either. We know they don't get it. Because later on in verse 18, Jesus has to sit them down and say, okay, let me tell you what it all means. And he goes through and tells them what it means. They don't get it. They don't understand. And then listen, they're left asking why. Listen to Jesus' answer that he gives them in verses 13 through 17. Why do you speak in parables? And Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. To hear what you hear, but did not hear it. All right, so why is Jesus speaking in parables? He says, first of all, he says, I'm speaking in parables because of the spiritual dullness of these people. They aren't ready or willing to listen or to hear, to see, to believe. But on the other hand, he speaks to them in parables to cultivate a sense of wonder, to cultivate a sense of curiosity for those who are ready and willing to hear. Right? Because he ends up in verse 16, commending his disciples. Commending his disciples. He says, blessed are your eyes because they see, and blessed are your ears because they hear. Now remember, they still don't have a clue what he was talking about. So he's not commending them and blessing them because they understand everything that he just taught, because they have the answers. They, they don't have the answers yet. Those answers are about to come. They're still as confused as ever about this story that he told. But he's commending them because their eyes were trained on Jesus. Their ears were listening carefully. Their hearts desired to know more. And they're willing to ask why. They're willing to try and figure it out. You go on in this chapter, Jesus continues to immediately go on and tell more parables. He tells the parables of the, of the weeds. He tells the parables of the, of the mustard seed and the yeast. More and more stories that leave people scratching their heads. And, and then in verse 
36, he steps into the house to take a break from his, his day of teaching. And he steps into this house, and, and the disciples all pull up a chair and sit right next to him. And like the persistent five-year-old, they're saying, why? Tell, you told us a bunch more stories. We don't get it. We don't understand it. Tell us more. Help us understand. Because we have no idea what you're talking about. Think about that for a moment. Okay, we have the tendency to read these parables and we want to dissect the words and figure out the meaning. And, and we should do that. There's profound meaning in these parables. But I don't want you this morning to miss the posture of the disciples as Jesus is teaching. These disciples are wanderers searching for understanding who are humble enough to ask why, to admit they don't understand. And they're passionate enough to pursue the answers, to not just let it slide and forget about it. And you and I, in this community, need to be wanderers searching for understanding who are humble enough to ask why and passionate enough to continue to pursue the answers. That's what so many young adults, so many millennials are looking for. It's what so many, almost every generation has been looking for as they grow into their faith. As they ask the question we're asking this month, church, why bother? Why should I bother with this? They're looking for and wondering about answers, about understanding. They want to explore and ask why. And honestly, for those of us who have been in the church for a long time, for those of us who for decades have grown up knowing answers, this questioning, this wondering can scare us a lot, can't it? Because it's so much easier to be a Pharisee. It is so much easier to declare answers and to enforce rules and to, to enforce established tradition. It's so much easier to do that than to, to share a journey of discovery, which can get messy. The journey of discovery can be long. The whys can be difficult. And so, and so it's a lot easier to simply say, because I told you so. Dad, why do we go to church on Sunday? Because I told you so. Now get in the car, we're going to be late. That's the easy answer, right? Mom, why do you always make me tithe? I want to keep my dollar this week. Because that's what we do, and I told you so. Now get your dollar, let's go. Why do we pray before we eat dinner? Because we always have prayed. Now bow your head, the food's getting cold. Why do we believe that Jesus is the only way when there's so many other options out there? How do, why do we believe that? Because that's the truth, and, you're, and we believe it, and your grandpa and grandma believed it, and your great-grandpa, our whole family believes it, and that's the truth, so just believe it. How, why do we trust that this book is true, that the Bible is true? How do we know? Because I told you so, it just is. Now make sure you read it at night, too. 
Dad, why don't we talk about those places where in science class it doesn't seem to match up with the Bible? How, just believe what the Bible said is true and just, there it is. Why does God allow pain and suffering? If he's so good, if he's so strong, why do people hurt? Why do people die? Well, you know, just believe that all things work together for good for those who love him. Now go and just believe it and do it. That's so much easier, isn't it? Because I told you so. And the wondering and the discovering and the whys can be frightening. We must prefer knowing and declaring. But you know, that wondering, that exploration doesn't have to be so scary. Wondering and discovering together can be exciting. It can be a spiritual adventure that helps all of us. Not only those who are asking the why questions, but also those of us who are, who are having to answer those why questions, who are having to explore together. It can, you know what that questioning does? Living with the whys, that journey of wondering together. It, it helps the roots of faith move beyond just answers in our head to understanding in our heart. It gets those roots deeper within us. And Jesus' story of the seeds and the farmer told us what shallow roots do. Shallow roots wither and die. Deeper roots live and grow. I, I love the, the title of the book that I had to read 29 years ago, my first intro to religion class at Calvin College. And, and the title was the, same, was the same three words that St. Anselm, back in the, the 1000s, so a thousand years ago, he had a motto. And so they took St. Anselm's motto and entitled our, our textbook, his motto. It was entitled, Faith Seeking Understanding. Faith Seeking Understanding understanding. Think about that. It starts with faith. That's where we stand when we wonder. That's where our feet are grounded when we ask the questions. Right? From this basic foundation of faith, a belief that God exists, has revealed himself, especially through Jesus. Just from that basic foundation, we begin our discovery of who God is, of who we are, of how we relate to him, of how we relate to each other, how we, how we live in this world, how we live well, and how we die well. Right? We start from this foundation of faith, and then what are we looking for? We're searching for understanding. We want to understand more and more about God, about us, about this world. And I like that word. Notice he doesn't say it's faith-seeking answers. We're not just looking for answers that we can stick in our head. We're not holding out our empty mug, asking somebody just pour it in so that we can just have that full mug of answers. Like the disciples, like the disciples, we stand in this relationship of love with Jesus, fully by his grace, and from that foundation, secure in that relationship with him, we can be humble enough to ask why. Why? I don't get it. Why? Humble enough to ask why and passionate enough to pursue understanding in the midst of our wondering. And honestly, this journey 
of discovery will lead us to places where our questions don't have all the answers. We're going to have to wrestle hard. Right? It's going to be hard to understand and, and it's going to be hard to comprehend. That's why, that's why so many young people in this millennial generation are looking for mentors. There are mentors in this community. Some, some mentor in life, whether it's a parent or a grandparent or, or a fellow church member. Somebody who either formally or informally as a, as a more mature member of the family of God, will share this faith journey of discovery with them. They aren't looking for someone just to pour their answers in. They're looking for somebody who will help them discover those answers together with them. And you know, if there's nobody here willing to do that, if none of us are willing to provide that guidance and nurture for them, if we just decide when they're asking the church, when they're asking the question, church, why bother? And we just say, you go figure that out. You explore on your own. Then we shouldn't be surprised when their journey of faith leads them away from us. Because we haven't helped them discover God for themselves. We haven't helped them root their faith deeply in their hearts instead of just answers in their heads. And that's, that is one of the key motivations behind the change and the shift that we made this summer and how we volunteer here at Ivanrest Church. It might have seemed like it was just a new way of scheduling people, but it was so much more than that. Hopefully you saw over the summer the ministry greater than task opportunity that we sent to you multiple times. Some of you have chosen to sign on and hop on board with us, and I'm thankful for that. If you remember, we were asking you, we're asking you to serve in one place, in one ministry, a specific place, on a consistent, regular basis, connecting with the same people again and again, week after week. Why? So that some of these relationships might develop, and some of these, some of these relationships might become safe places for young people to ask you why. So those of you who volunteer in the nursery, instead of randomly coming here this week, that week, that nursery, the other nursery, you're going to be serving the same nursery, and those little babies, those little children are hopefully going to get to know your face and trust you, and you're going to fall in love with some of them. And then those of you who are teaching in our preschool and the iKids, those children are going to see you week after week. They're going to get to know you. They're going to trust you as you teach those lessons, and they're going to dare to ask you why, because they know you love them. And then when you go up to to iClub, and you have our elementary age students, you're going to have the same teacher again and again and again. You're going to have the same large group of leaders up there every Sunday. And the intention is that they'll get to know you and love you and dare to ask you why questions. Then you get to middle school, and in our iRally, we have the same small group leaders in middle school who will be the same for both of those years as those relationships begin to develop. And in high school, in iConnect, Small group leaders for our high schoolers are signed on to be with the same students all four years and the year after they graduate. Can you imagine what kind of relationships could develop in five years together? Especially at a time where so many, so many young people are saying, church, why bother? What's this all about? There's a place for you to be a safe place to say, why? Let's explore this together. If you haven't checked out the ministry greater than task, if you're interested in being a part, 
There's going to be somebody over by the church office willing to help you out and think more about it after the service. But the whole point is, can we be that kind of community? Can we set up a place where it's a safe place to ask why and to wonder together? Because the questions will naturally come. They always do. And honestly, again, we won't be able to answer them all. There's some God-sized questions out there, and there's no way that we can explain God away with our finite minds. I still love Frederick Beekner's definition of theology, the study of God. He says this. I've read it before. He says, theology is the study of God and his ways. For all we know, dung beetles may study man and his ways and call it humanology. If so, we would probably be more touched and amused and irritated. And one hopes that God feels likewise. We can't understand everything about God. We aren't going to have every answer. But that doesn't mean we can't explore and ask why. The question is not, should we ask our why questions or not? No. The question for us is, will we allow those why questions to be asked safely within this faith community? And will we help faith discover greater understanding? Are we okay with why? In John chapter 3, we get to watch one of the very few positive interactions that Jesus has with a Pharisee. Right? Remember the Pharisees, the, these rulers, these law followers, these declarers? Well, Jesus meets a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And they meet at night because Nicodemus doesn't want his other Pharisee friends to see that he's meeting with Jesus, this discoverer instead of a declarer, right? And and I read that story again this week, wondering what, what made this encounter so different? Why, why is this a positive encounter with the Pharisee that Jesus has instead of one that brings him to anger? And, and I think the difference is Nicodemus' perspective. How Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Because Nicodemus brings faith seeking understanding. He's there to discover truth rather than declare and defend the truth that he believed. So in verse 3 of that chapter, John chapter 3, he's talking with Nicodemus. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And, and Nicodemus doesn't launch into a defense of his understanding. Because this statement goes against Nicodemus' understanding of the law and the rules. That's how you enter the kingdom of God. You're good enough. You follow all 613 rules. He, he doesn't get defensive. He doesn't declare. He doesn't defend. Instead, he, he responds like a little child. He simply says to Jesus, I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand what you just said to me. What in the world does, does born again mean? And honestly, if it had been you, you would have asked the same question. I still wonder sometimes what born again means, right? Nicodemus was humble enough to say, I don't get it. And so Jesus 
goes on to explain more to him. He, he, in the next paragraph, he talks about being born of water and the Spirit. He talks about the Spirit giving birth to Spirit. He talks about the wind that blows, and we don't know where it comes and, and where, where it's going. Then he stops again, and Nicodemus, in all of his wisdom, he, he's one of the most educated men of his day. He looks at Jesus and says, I have no clue what you're talking about. I have no idea what you just said to me. I don't get it. Tell me more. He's humble enough to say, I don't get it. Why? What? What? And he's passionate enough not to walk away and say, I don't get it. I give up. He keeps digging. He keeps saying, I want to know more. I want to understand. So he keeps digging. He keeps asking. He keeps wondering. And if you know your Bible, John chapter 3, it's this conversation with Nicodemus that ultimately ends up with Jesus saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. It's one of the most clear statements that Jesus ever made about his purpose and our salvation. And how does he get there? How does he get to the point of saying that so clearly? Somebody who before him keeps saying, what? Why? Tell me more. I don't get it. And he gets down to the truth of what he needs to understand. His willingness to wonder leads to a discovery of faith that's been a treasure that has shaped our lives for 2,000 years. He was willing to wonder. Are we willing to wonder together? What kind of community, what kind of spiritual family are we? Are we a place that, that declares answers with authority? This is what you believe. Or are we one who's willing to discover God's truths together? Am I a pastor whose job it is to get up here and declare, hold out your mugs, I'm going to fill it from my jug? Or am I a pastor that's going to lead us to discover together? Are you parents and grandparents and mentors and friends who declare or discover? This journey of faith that we are on together should be a wonderful adventure of exploration and discovery where our questions are asked and our journey towards understanding is shared together. And I hope that we, as individuals, as a community together, can be humble enough to ask why and can be passionate enough to pursue understanding together. Would you pray with me? Father God, you know how tempting it is for us to declare, to not wrestle through truth, to not try and ask why and search for understanding, but simply to declare, this is what to believe, this is what to do. Don't think about it, just do it. And yet I'm so grateful, Father, that you have invited us into a relationship of discovery that you 
as the great God of all gods, invite your children to come and say, I don't get it. Tell me more. Why? And that you reveal yourself and you reveal your truth to us, sometimes bit by bit and part by part and piece by piece. And I thank you that you are a gentle, true father, that when the questions get really hard, when the answers seem to be beyond our grasp because they're God-sized answers for our human-sized minds, that not in anger but in assurance, you tell us, because I said so, and I love you. Father, make us people who stand with you in faith. And from that foundation of faith, dare to explore and ask and discover who you are and who we are and how to live well and how to die well. Thank you for your grace to us in that process. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Worship team, would you come forward?